Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. Tired. Yeah. The kids have been away. Kids have been away. I haven't done anything exciting because I've been asleep most of the time, and all I want to do is go back to sleep now. <laughs> but I did clean my uh, house today. Yeah. It's very clean. It's very nice. My parents will be here tomorrow, so I want them to be like, oh. He's an adult. He's a grown up. <laughs> well, hi, folks. This is Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. And we were off last week. Yes, I because, was in Texas. Yes, and uh, uh, we are back this week, not with Hate Watching the Mist, which was the original plan. Yes, I decided to give Tim a break. Um, we had decided instead to watch Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. Right. Which is on Freeform, and which used to be ABC Family. Yes. Uh, and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Which is also ABC, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but um, we used to do, for Sci-Fi For Me, we did a Marvel or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s podcast. Right. And uh, a lot of fantastic people doing uh, really cool discussions on that. I never participated in that podcast because I didn't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, it was one of those shows where the first, if you watched the first season and if you survived the first half... right. Of the first season, uh, which was really bad, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the show got progressively better as it went along. But it lost a ton of its audience right off the bat. Well, because didn't it... Um, they were trying to sync it up. This was back when they were really like, this is going to be... The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be a continuation of Marvel Universe. And so they were trying to sync it up. I remember they sank it... Right. The dark, they, the, Thor of the Dark World it sunk up with that. The first two seasons both had uh, kind of sync points. The second season was uh, Winter Soldier, tying into Winter Soldier. And this was kind of a mistake because they almost were treading water, especially Uh in the first season, to try and make this actually kind of line up. And it really suffered in terms of the storytelling because it was, we have to get to this point. And it was just, it was a really artificial Mm -hmm. kind of storytelling. And it, I mean, like I said, it, it cost a huge, the audience numbers must drop off over, over the, you know, the, the premiere of the, the first episode was actually pretty highly watched. Yeah. And well, I was one plummeted. of those people because I watched it and watched it and watched it and was bored and was bored and mm-hmm. was bored and like, gosh, it didn't seem like they're, the, the, this filler, it's, it's all filler. It doesn't seem like they're advancing any kind of story at all. Yeah. And the next thing I know, like, all the story happens. And then they apparently have flipped away from doing that. Well, they kind of ran into a a weird thing in that the whole Inhumans storyline that was being developed... um, Because, okay, so so Marvel is not allowed to use the X-Men right now. Right. And so what they were going to do was use the Inhumans as sort of the mutants of 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. And so there was this big idea that we're going to develop the Inhumans. Because the Inhumans can be a really interesting set of characters when written well. But they're also a fairly unknown to the vast majority of... Yeah, so they had to create them. And so you had this whole thing where they built up the Inhumans on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they actually did some interesting stuff with them. But there was, it was kind of a means to an end. So that eventually when they had the Inhumans movie... Mm-hmm. Um, they would be like, aha, we, the audience, the American audience has been primed and they will go buy tickets. Right. But well, then they decided not to even make the movie. There's going to be a TV series and then the TV series was... Rushed and bad from what I understand. Oh, it was not good. So it completely didn't work. On the plus side, while they were developing the Inhumans for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they were not allowed to use the main characters from the Inhumans TV, or the Inhumans comic book. Yeah. So they had to develop their own characters. And so while it was building up to, to you know, eventually connect with this larger Inhumans universe, it was its own thing. So it actually worked out fairly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So if you've managed to stick through the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a lot of people have found it to be a great show. Apparently this is going to be the last season coming up. It wouldn't next. surprise me. Um, but and then, then of course you've got the Netflix series um, Luke Cage is back for a second season I think it just started yeah uh, or, I believe so and uh, it's, the early reviews have been very very strong I'm looking forward to, to watching it myself but Cloak and Dagger is uh, the characters have been around since the 70s yeah. I think Bill Mantlo uh, I think was the, the creator of the series uh, Ty and Tandy. Yes. And the for th- those of you who've seen the comic book designs, again, it was an interesting time for costume designs. Spandex in comic books or, or comic book superhero costumes are always skin tight. Right. Which was a little weird when you consider that in the comics, these were teenagers. Yes. So Tandy's running around in this in this white outfit with a cross cut out in this down her chest. Right. Which was so a all little, the way down to her navel. Little racy. And yeah, and uh, and uh, Tyrone wears a cloak, and that's it. He's it's it's uh, the shadow world. It connects him to the shadow world, and so. He's, He's all cloaked in shadow. Cloaked I mean, that's, in yeah, shadow. That's, all, that's kind of his clothes. So it was a really interesting series. Um, that and they've done things with cloak and dagger over the last over the last thirty or forty years. Oh yeah. You know they were X Men for a little while. They've been on different super teams. They've they've been their own series more than one time. Mm-hmm. And they've actually had a fairly solid fan base over the years, but again. When you think of the big Marvel Universe characters, they're not necessarily a marquee name. But then again, they, this is a this is a world where you still hear people talking about how Iron Man was a relatively unknown character. Mm-hmm. Um, in the larger viewing audience, Cloak and Dagger is in many ways kind of a safe bet because it's not coming with a lot of baggage right. in terms of the viewership. To some degree, it's the same advantage that the Netflix series have had. Right. Because, of course, if you don't know, you know, the number, you know, more people know Daredevil from the Ben Affleck movie, um, which a lot of people would like to forget, and they do from the comic book. I've never seen the Ben Affleck movie. 
It's not as bad as I think the reputation has. Well, for it, I've but heard it's not like great. that if you there's like a director's cut out there somewhere. That's the director's cut, yeah, better. the director's cut is better, but it still runs into, into some problem. Michael Clark Duncan as the kingpin was kind of an interesting casting choice, and I thought it worked. And I didn't think Ben Affleck was terrible. Yeah, um, but the whole well, there's just yeah, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> could be a long conversation but now it, it, it's it's not a great movie but it certainly wasn't you know it didn't have the effect uh it wasn't it wasn't at the right time and with the right people the the netflix series gave it room to breathe and then there's amazing fight scenes yeah so so anyway cloak and dagger um, right is a kind of interesting show i'm actually fairly pleased with this first episode there's a couple of weird things that i was like yeah. okay sure like, it's set in New Orleans, but the only reason I can tell that is because there was a... He did a computer search for a police officer, and it was, like, New Orleans Police Department. And I'm like, but there's nothing visually in the show that really made it feel like New Orleans right. to me. Which I thought was really odd, because it's such a distinct place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's filmed there. So I was like, I thought that was very strange, and I really didn't get a, get a sense of it being in that place. Yeah. But. Did you hear about the Kansas City show? This is a little off topic, but apparently there's going to be a post, post-apocalyptic show called Kansas City on Freeform next year. And. Where are they filming it? Atlanta. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> that's the digression. That's a digression. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Cloak and Dagger. Sure. Um, it starts off with uh, Tandy and Tyrone each having a, a, a really bad night as oh, children. Yes. Um, Tandy is at ballet class and her dad, her mom doesn't come pick her up. So her dad has to come get her. And he's distracted by work. He works for a, a chemical company. And oh, the chemical company. This yeah. is Roxxon. This is the big, bad, Marvel, industrial, evil company of doom that they have been using for about, I don't know, since the 1960s as these the, these are the guys who end up developing, you know, like half the supervillains in the Marvel Universe come right. out of, you know... Well, not Roxxon only that, but lab. in the original comic... Tandy and Tyrone were both teenage runaways who were kidnapped by Roxxon and given drugs to give them their powers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little nugget there. But anyway, so he is distracted by work and uh, trying to convince his boss to like turn off something at this this uh, plant that they've been living. So you also have to point at. out that he's dry. He's driving her back, and because it's set in the past. Because like, of flip phones, right? He's got a BlackBerry, and he's talking on the phone and he's driving, yeah, and swerving. And they're doing plant that he's talking about is an is a rig in the middle of the bay, yeah. And he's saying you can't shut it down. You can't if you shut it down, it's going to be bad and bad things are going to bad if you do what the thing is. And the thing is what I said, don't do it. And but they do it. And about the time that he has become so distracted that he drives off the bridge. Uh, into the bay with his daughter in the back of the car. 
I just, I just, sometimes the stupidity of people <laughs> on TV, just like, I don't even know, I can't even explain it to you, because like, that was the dumbest thing, like the dumbest thing that I could have, they could have had as a, as a, as an origin story for her, because I just, I just, it's almost, it's, it's so stupid, it's stupid, I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, it, you had to get her into the water. Yeah. And so the way to get her in the water is to drive through a bear, through the, the railing of the bridge. Right. Uh, well, it's all his. The way that Tyrone gets in the water is pretty bad too. Well, yeah, because basically he is the younger brother, and he's a you know he, these are we're talking about kids who are I don't know six, six or, or seven. seven. Yeah. And so he's a. Uh, uh, Younger brother of a, he looks up to his older brother. Right. His older brother has some friends, and apparently they installed a stereo system into this guy's car, and then he stiffed him on on paying him. Right. And they decide they're gonna, you know, his friends want to break into the car and steal it back, and his older brother is like, I don't think we should do that. And he actually convinces his friends not to. Right. But the younger brother, Ty, um, Tyrone, sits there and says, Well, I can do this. Yeah. And he breaks into the car and he steals the stereo. And he's running home and he runs to his older brother and he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I did the thing. And and his older brother's like, I'm touched by your attempt to help me out. My sweet, sweet younger brother. Uh We're going to go put it back because this is bad. That's not what we we, want to do. But at this point, of course, the police appear from... Nowhere. Right. I'm not entirely sure how the police managed to find them. Well, you know, again, that's kind of how it works. Police show up magically. Then they chase the, the, his brother. Apparently he's been in trouble before. As he says, run. And the two then they, they take off. Through a series of confusing cuts, they end up down by a, a loading dock of right. some, some, some sort. And down by the, down by the bay. Um, what is the, what is the New Orleans, it's not the, what, what's it called in New Orleans? What's the, it's a river, it's the, I don't remember. Riverfront. Uh, but anyway, um, we'll, we'll have more, <laughs> get this, get the names right next time. But, um, while things are getting ready to, you know, t- while Tandy's dad is arguing on the phone, yeah, they get down to the, to the water and they split up kind of and, uh. Tyrone is kind of crouched around around the corner and his brother is there and the police show up. And just about that time, the the rig in the background with the lab on it explodes. And that startles the cop and so he shoots the brother twice in the chest. And he falls over the edge into the water and, and Tyrone jumps in after him. So now Tandy and Tyrone are both in the water with dead people. His dad is definite, apparently has... I don't know, airbagged himself to death? Or, yeah, or... it looked like he cracked his head pretty hard. Uh, so even if he wasn't dead yet, he drowns pretty quickly. Yeah. And as the car is filling up with water, and then there's an explosion, and there's like a, a ripple effect, and and the next thing you know, both Tyrone and Tandy are caught in it, and, you know, so somehow they save each other from the water. She starts to glow a little bit, he starts to... Globe. Tendal of smoke, yeah. kind of black energy kind of thing. 
their hands somehow manage to reach through the ceiling of the car, the roof right. of the car. Uh, him from outside, her from from inside, and then it's teenagers. Yes. Then it jumps to the next. Yeah. And we do get flashbacks throughout the episode where we see that basically they washed up on shore together. Right. Somehow. Um, and of course, Tandy's dad, everything he owned was owned by the company, and so him and Tandy and her mother get kicked out of their house and have to become like, like live in trailer parks. And mom's an alcoholic, and apparently, and, mom had a bit of a uh, substance abuse issue earlier. Apparently, with back troubles. Apparently yeah, was what what her dad described as, which could have been a euphemism for your mom's a pillhead. Yeah, uh, but uh, certainly by the time that. That Tandy is 17, 18? Something like that. Years, it says years later, it doesn't say how many years. My assumption would be at least 10. Because based on, based on Tyrone being in high school, and he's like, it seems like he's a senior. Right. And so they seem to be about the same age. So, but yeah, mom's, a, mom's an alcoholic at this point. They've lost everything because Roxon took everything away. Mm-hmm. Apparently the house was even owned by the company. Um, which, by the way, you know, note note to 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 scientists developing uh, extremely uh, curious devices that may result in superpowers. Yeah, try to get it in writing that the company that that funds it all doesn't own everything that you right. have, because <laughs> that's a bad thing. Apparently, there's an interesting juxtaposition here between between Tyrone and Tandy because Tandy's turned into the street kid, right? You know, she doesn't live at home with her mom in, the, in this rundown little shack of a house. Uh, she, uh, she, everybody thinks she lives with somebody else. Her boyfriend thinks she lives in an apartment. Her mother thinks she lives with her boyfriend, and she actually lives in an abandoned church. And we, <laughs> we were kind of like, where is she going when she he drops yeah. her up? So, so she actually is a con. All right, she's, she's a, a con, thief. Yeah. Carter is a thief. She she tricks wealthy bought guys into taking her back to their house. She drugs them, and then her and her boyfriend come in and rob the place. Right. And it's the setup here is that she goes into this she goes into this nightclub, mm-hmm. and somehow she's got I don't know she's got a fake ID clearly because this is the kind of place that teenagers do not get into. Um, and she basically picks up this guy who's kind of. He, he almost has the I'm a sleazeball oh, definitely. You know, sign hanging above his head. And they go back to his place, and he's like all over her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, I spent several hundred dollars on you tonight. I expect to get, you know. And at first, she's like, well, we've got all night. And he's like, no, we don't have all night. If this is not going to happen, you need to let me know so that I can go back out and try and get somebody else. And then she's like, well, it's not going to happen. If that In that case, it's not going to happen. He's like, aha, no, yes, it is. Because I spent, you know, several hundred dollars on you. and But then she cracks back with, well, I'm going to get more than that for my side job tonight. And he goes, oh, what's your side job? And he says, she goes, I convince rich idiots to take me back to their house and I drug them and I rob them. And that time, <laughs> like, falls over. And, you know. It's perfectly great movie timing. This is the stuff that never would happen in real life, but it was really right. funny. Uh, her boyfriend shows up. They rob the place. And then are then then are fleeced by the pawn shop that they use because because she expects to get like nine hundred or so dollars and they only get like four hundred three hundred 
And one of the things that she stole out of there was some ballet tickets. Mm-hmm. So this will come back later. Uh, but they, of a course... A dress, a very beautiful dress. And it just happens to be just her size. Of course. When she gets the money, she her boyfriend drops her off at this place, which is supposedly where she lives. As soon as he's gone, she runs across the street and over a fence and up a wall and across... A, a board. A board and around the corner and up the... Yeah, and we're like, where is she going? <laughs> How did she, you know... And and I realized she's wearing slippers. Right. But for a minute I thought she was barefoot. I'm like, what is she doing? But she ends up finally in this church. And uh, she's got her little... She kind of sorts her stuff. Yeah. In little piles. And then she, you know... While she's tucking herself in, there there's a, there's a lot of cross-cutting between the two. Showing the parallels and differences yeah. between the two teenagers' lives. Because meanwhile... Uh, Tyrone's family is, I would say, not rich, but comfortable. Yeah. And... Definitely, you know, upper, middle, middle class. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a nice house. They've got nice clothes. He goes to a good school. Right. He's a basketball player. Uh, he's got some anger issues. Right. Well, he keeps getting fouled, and the, the ref's not catching it. Yeah. Like, it's pretty... By the, the the time he finally fights back, it's pretty obvious that he's being, you know, intentionally fouled by yeah. this player in a pretty bad way. And so he ends up punching the guy and causes a fight, and then, you know, there's a whole big thing, and... and his parents... His parents are, are upset, but they're also not, like, really bashing on him. There's right. a, there's an interesting balance there between it's that it's that we're disappointed we're not yeah. angry thing. Um, so the relationship with his parents is pretty good. Um, I mean, it's not like you know there's it's the the tendency to show you know the disaffected teens yeah uh, is definitely not not here. Um, he you know he loves his family and that's a nice little that's a the contrast between that and Tandy and her alcoholic mom. Um, is is actually kind of nice. The curious thing about the two of them is that we are at this point, aside from our obvious connection at the beginning of the story, mm-hmm. not seeing how these two are connected at all. They're not connected at all. Right. So, yeah, they end up both going to the same party in the woods. Right. And apparently the woods is right next to a cemetery just for geographical... Yeah. She bumps into him and makes this, they make this big show and they're really flirty and and she tries to wipe the, her spilled drink off of him and blah, 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 blah. But then, later, a friend of his comes up and she's like, hey, buy me a drink. And so he goes to buy her a drink and he's like, uh-oh, my wallet's gone. And then he sees her doing this, Tandy doing the same thing to some other guy and she's like, hey, blonde girl. And they go running off and they end up in the cemetery running, chasing each other around. And they touch each other, and suddenly their powers just go off. Right. And they get blown away from each other in this, like, you know, thrown, like, 10, 10, 15 feet away from each other into... Hard stone sculptures. And I'm looking at it going, we're talking broken ribs here and serious damage. And they both are just like, ow. (laughs) Oh, no, my my body parts. But then they're fine. They have this kind of, you know, wait a minute, what, 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 what's, what's going on? And because she's glowing, and he's, he's got the, the black 
foggy wisp thing happening. And they're like, wait a minute, aren't you the kid from the beach? And, you know, they're like, what? How did this? What's this? And you got to talk to me. And she, for powers flare up and he goes blind and she runs. And, right. And she leaves her bag behind. Right. And he gets his wallet. And I guess goes back to the party. Yeah. yeah. Because he kind of cuts back to him being at home. Right. And it's because we keep doing time jumps in the show. We you see that when after, you know, he was found by his family coming back from the beach. I guess um, they looked into the death of his brother, and the police are telling his family that his brother was found in the water, uh, dead from and had drugs in his system, but there were no no evidence of him being shot. And you know, Tyrone as a little kid is going. That's not what happened. You know, this, this red, red-headed cop with a scar shot him and the police uh, the police officer or police chief or, or whatever the rank is is telling him that, you know, that's, there's no such guy here. You know, you, you didn't right. see what you saw. Some of these things that are kind of like really... There's a lot that's glossed over in the course of this episode. Right. Because if you think about that whole situation, um, you know, I mean, it seems like it's really brushed aside the consequences of, you know... I know there's just so many things... You know, if they, if they, they said you can see the body. Mm-hmm. Well, if he was shot twice, that would be obvious. They, but but then they say that he's, you know, there's like, you know, he was so eaten up by fishes. Yeah, pretty sure though that they could do an autopsy and right. find, you know. Well, they find out later that the cop who shot him, uh, like, got a fix in from his uncle. Right. So it's I mean so. there's 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 a certain amount of hand waving going on with the story because mm-hmm. I think they want to get you to the story right uh, so you have your little meat cutes and your weirdness and your things like that but some of the backstory stuff it's like do not stare directly at do not stare directly at the you know the the mother and daughter being evicted from their home by the evil corporation right do not stare directly at the the, the murdered teenage boy. And the parents who would just apparently would just let it go. Right. You know, don't, don't look at that too much. Tyrone has never really given up on having that anger of this, you know, the, 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 the cop who killed his brother. Right. And so after this, he goes home and he lies down on his bed, dressed in his, you know, wrapped in his black sheet, and wakes up. On the roof of some building. Uh, a Roxon building, apparently, because there's a big sign there. Right, and uh, not only that, but right by where that cop is. Like, he had just been searching for the cop. Yeah, so there's some indication that his powers are directable. Right. Uh, And he comes down the stairs as he's leaving this place, very confused, and opens the door, and there's the cop. Um, Mm -hmm. No one notices, by the way, or the cop certainly doesn't notice the young man standing there. Yeah, the young guy, yeah, wearing only a sheet. And I love the, so later he, like, tries to get a cab, and the... The cab pulls up and goes, you got a wallet in there? It's like, no, but I can pay you back. And the cab doesn't even say he just drives away. I thought that was pretty funny. Well, then he, his reaction was, I can pay you back when I get my dignity. Yeah, they give, they give Tyrone some good lines. Because he's like, after he comes back from being blinded by Tandy's power, he's like, crazy white girl. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you? Well, and, you know, again, I mean, as, as easy as it seems to be for a lot of shows to make um, white and black teenagers certain stereotypes, uh-huh. uh, this show is not doing that, which is kind of nice. 
I mean, the, right. the characters the characters allow them that in, the ability to have that kind of interpretation and still stay true to the characters, which is nice. Um, so he's very confused because you know he's wearing a sheet and he's not home and he just teleported right. And he has to make his way home, and apparently this takes quite a while, because he skips school. Right. And his mother finds out about it, and she is not happy. And there's an interesting confrontation between the two of them, where she, quite justifiably, is upset about the fight he got into, and the skipping school, and and he's like, Mom, yeah. you're being overprotective. It's just one day, and you act like I've got to be perfect all the time, or or you're gonna lose me like I lost you lost my brother. And and it's Gloria Rubin's place, the mother, and I've loved her since uh, since she was on ER. Mm-hmm. And essentially, she says, "No, you don't get it. I'm scared that you will do everything perfectly, and I'll still lose you." No. And I have to tell you, that's really that was a really affecting kind of moment for me, because I have that same fear, mm-hmm. you know, because you know the idea that 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 the police are going to see you more the color of your skin, yeah, than than what is actually happening, you know. There's too many stories about guys talking on their cell phones in their backyards, yeah. When the police show up and them getting shot for nothing, for nothing, for standing in their backyard with their cell phone. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I felt so odd that I couldn't really tell just by looking at the show that it's set in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Because there's a history of violence with the police in New Orleans. Right. I mean, there's a history of violence with the police in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. Um, But New Orleans has some built-in story there. Right. And to just not have that sense of place, which I think would lend itself to that real fear, yeah. is so odd to me. But well, maybe I, I have a feeling they're going to address it more and more as the series goes on. I would hope so, because this is just our, our opening shot, our opening salvo, if you will, of yeah. the cloak and dagger. And I thought it was really interesting, and honestly, that's kind of it. Like. He ends up teleporting again. Oh, he teleports. Well, yeah, he teleports into the trunk of the cops. Yeah. Car. So, uh, which he finds a crowbar and some cocaine. Right. <laughs> a lot of cocaine. Right, and, it's, and the cop is selling it. He's now on Vice, and so he steals the drugs and he resells them because he's a crooked cop. He's a baddie. He's a baddie, my baddie. We got that impression from you know shooting someone earlier, yeah. but he is not. He is not repented. And and uh, become a better man. No, he's he's right. definitely a villain. So anyway, so Tyrone he, he yeah. opens the trunk and Tyrone throws the cocaine in his face and hits him with the crowbar and runs. And the guy he was going to sell the uh, sell the drugs to is like goes away too. He yeah he takes off. So he chases the cop. The the crooked cop chases Tyrone into this warehouse. And meanwhile, we're also cross cutting. To Tandy going to the ballet. Yes, because she stole those ballet tickets. She's got the the nice white dress on. Yeah, and she goes to the ballet, and she's the the guy leads her down to her seat, and she decides not to sit there, and somehow, yes, <laughs> she's not the teleporter, by the way. Right. 
Somehow she ends up in the catwalks over the stage to watch the ballet. And if you have ever worked in the backstage of a theater during a major production... The back of the house. It's very, very hard to get anywhere. Yes, and there's no way she was able to do this. You've got to know. Like, you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to go here and find your way there, even if it's somewhere super simple. Like, if she was just trying to find the costume shop in the back of that theater... It's a she would need help to find it. Like there's no way that she could have gotten up on that catwalk. Yeah, no. It's a great shot. I mean, mm. you know, she's looking down. You get to watch the ballet performing directly from above. Right. It's very pretty. But yeah, no, no, sorry guys. Um, but she sees the show. She's having a wonderful time. She leaves, and suddenly she is confronted by the guy she stole. The tickets from Douchey Madouche and, and three, two of his buddies. And uh, interestingly enough, he gives a good reason for finding her there. Is you know, I told her, I told you guys that she would take the tickets because she's stupid. She thinks no, because she thinks we're stupid. And so, in terms of you know the you know, the crap, you know, the horrible guy showing up later and to confront her, it's a viable option. It works. Right. So he decides that he's going to you know. Get something back from her. Clearly, he's going to rape her. Right. That is the. I mean, there is no illusion. Because there. I mean, he they pull her into an alley. He he gets his friends and starts taking all down his pants and kissing her and saying, "Just give in, give in to me." And here's the thing that I hate that TV has done when they want a female character to have any kind of depth. Mm-hmm. That's where they go. Oh yeah. You know, they couldn't have given like I would have thought. I thought. I thought that that was enough, honestly, to have the fact that she was a young girl who watched her father die, uh, mysteriously survived the accident, watched as her family lost everything, her mother descend into addiction, and is now living homeless because she would rather be homeless than live with her drug addicted and alcohol addicted mother. I would have thought that would be enough character for her, but no. They decide to throw rape in there, too. Rape is a backstory. Rape is a defining moment. Is a terrible, terrible trope in a lot of fiction involving women. Involving strong women. Women who right. women who are ready to fight back. There's very often... I mean, you know, we talk about TV tropes from time to time. Yeah. And if you go to TV tropes and start hunting around, you will find way too many references to that. Mm-hmm. Because it's, the, it's a thing. And... So the fact that she doesn't actually get raped, I was actually, you know, aside from the obvious thing, I don't want anyone to get raped. Right. That's bad. It's a terrible thing. Nobody wants anybody to get raped. <laughs> but, I mean, in terms of, you know, you don't even want to see that from for a story writing standpoint. But she doesn't because she stabs him in the stomach with one of the, with a, with a dagger, with a light, dagger of light. Yes. And she's like, I don't know how I did this. And he's like, I have a hole in me. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. And he's bleeding really badly. And I don't know. You know we don't get any sense whether or not she it killed him or not or just right. wounded him really badly. But because the next time we see her, because she takes off, the next time we see her, she's trying to get it to work again. And it's not. Mm-hmm. And she's wrapped her. She's pulled. She took Tyrone's brother's hoodie. The, Tyrone was wearing the night that his brother died, and she stole it from the beach when when they were just children, and she still has it. Right. 
and it's in pretty good shape for a, probably a decade's worth of wear. Right. Um, by the way, the 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 one of the other odd things about this show is that anytime someone gets wet, uh-huh. they dry immediately. Right. Because she, at the beginning of the episode, when we see her waiting for her dad, she's waiting in the rain. And she hops into the backseat of the car, and she's miraculously dry. Mm-hmm. And then later, when she and Tyrone wash up on the beach, they have been in the water. They have been soaked in the water. They are lying on a wet beach, and yet they are miraculously dry. <laughs> right. But okay, whatever. You don't, want, you don't want to get the kids you know, hypothermia. That would be bad. That would be terrible. Don't, don't do terrible things to your children actors. So Tyrone ends up being chased. While this is going on, we're cutting back and forth. Tyrone is being chased by the the corrupt cop, mm-hmm. and the corrupt cop runs up to him and grabs him, and Tyrone gets a flash right of something he could not have seen because he was in the water. Right. It's the it's right after Tyrone's brother got shot. That's when we find out. Oh, I'm gonna he, the, the corrupt cop's gonna call his uncle, and his uncle's gonna fix everything. And we saw another flash between Tandy and her mom, where she got a piece of not so much memory. I don't seem almost seemed like an emotion right sequence as opposed to memory. And maybe they're gonna maybe we'll find out more. Or I'm sure we're gonna find out more about it. But I mean, the the sense of um, her mother still loves her husband. Right. Her mother still loves her. Her mother still looks at her. You know, and sees potential, uh-huh. but you don't get that interaction from the two of them, right? So, although we do get, <laughs> her mother's like, "Are you okay?" It's like the drunkard mother is like, "You know, kid." Yeah, what's <laughs> going on? So, but yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, Tyrone ends up t- uh, the the cop ends up shooting at him, but the Tyrone ends up teleporting home, and they yeah. kind of both end the episode sort of like, "Wow." I can't believe that these things, these weird things are happening to me. Let me look at this relic from back when I was a child and think about fondly of this person I've met one time. Yes, because Tyrone found uh, one of her ballet shoes, which somehow ended up in a tree. I'm confused about the tree. Don't stare directly at the plot. Like, okay, so when she... (laughs) She come okay. I have to back up because yeah, okay. I didn't. I almost mentioned it when I watched the show. She goes to visit her mother's trailer and she opens the door and says, "Is anybody home?" And as she's walking in, I notice by the side of the trailer, the door of the trailer is a wall, and there are obvious brush marks on this wall where somebody in the production crew was like, "This wall needs to look dingy," yeah. and so they like went and just like swiped some some brown paint on the wall. And I almost was like, no, there's nobody here but us. There's nobody here but the, the, the set crew. Like, you know, if you stare too directly at the weird little inconsistencies, like, Tandy goes everywhere by board. Like, there is more than one time in this episode where she escapes or gets somewhere by running across a board laid over a gully of some sort. Right. She gets to the she gets to the house, you know. She gets to her mom's place, going over a board. She gets into her church that her way. Place. She escapes from Tyrone to get into the cemetery that way. Um, I'm not entirely sure what it's, it's a very odd recurring theme. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> honestly, it might be one of those things where they didn't even notice that they were doing it until do you uh, like okay. Yeah. Do you remember in? Um, 
in Pro-Choice, my short film that mm-hmm. you can find on YouTube if you look for it. Um, there's a sequence in there where all three of the characters, all the three characters in the short, mm-hmm. they all say well as their first word of a sentence, like, five times like in a row. <laughs> like, the doctor says well, and then the husband says well, and then the wife says well, and then the doctor says well, and then the husband says well, and the wife says well. And I didn't notice that until editing. Um, I'm actually the husband in that. Yeah. So, so there's a good possibility that... That maybe they were in the editing room and they're like, That's true. She goes overboard a lot. <laughs> Should we do something about that? And they're like, Nah, uh, don't it's worry fine. about it. Nobody yeah. will notice. But weirdos. Uh, it's, I, um, as far as first episodes go, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I like the characters. Mm. I like, I, the actors are fine. Um, I like Tyrone's little girlfriend at school who thinks he's cute and, mm-hmm. and is flirting with him. Right. He does, he does not get it at all. No. He's, he's like, he's like, she, cause she comes up and invites him to the party and she's like, here's some emojis to make sure you'll come. And he's like, why are you, why are you inviting me to this thing? And she's like, bye bye. And he's like, but why? And then they meet up again and he's like, oh, okay. Cause yeah, I mean, she is like clearly interested in him. Right. And, and he's just like, Mm, are you sure? Yeah. Because I don't feel all, you know. It's it's cute. I mean, it's actually kind of sweet. And I like the fact that that the the some of the strongest things about the show is, is Tyrone and Tandy's relationship with their families. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the good relationship Tyrone has or the fractured relationship that Tandy has. Right. Those actually are good character development moments. Overall, right, and not only that, but I also liked for a show called Cloak and Dagger, where the two main characters are Cloak and Dagger, they spent like one scene together. Yeah, it was so focused on showing us their lives and building these two characters up Mm -hmm. that they weren't gonna. They're, I think it's good they're gonna maybe take it a little slow so that we can learn things about them before they start. Un, un piecing together whatever mystery they have to piece together. Well, and I think that you... Well, see, there we go. Now that you've mentioned it, I'm going to st- start every sentence with the word well. Uh-huh. The model that we've seen with the next Netflix shows where you don't actually have to have... You know, you don't have to jump right into the, to the plot. You can actually have... Build up the characters and build up the relationships and start developing the plot. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't immediately have to jump to action. Right. Has work, it works fairly well here. The audiences have been primed for that sort of thing. Whereas, you know, back when in the 80s and 90s, if it was, you know, if you, if you hadn't blown something up in the first 15 minutes, it was like, no one's yeah. going to watch this. You know, if someone hadn't had a heart attack and get, have to get rushed to the hospital or someone hadn't had an affair within 15 minutes, whatever, whatever kind of show you were watching. Here, it gives things a chance to breathe. I mean, certainly there's stuff that happens. I mean, the how, you know, ten min, it wasn't even 10 minutes in before the explosion on the yeah, uh, on on the rig happened, but yeah, it's it's giving it room to breathe, and that's actually appreciated. So, yeah, I'm 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 willing to give it another uh, another few episodes. Me too. I think, uh, which is a nice thing. It's not you know, it's not awful terrible like the mist or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I am disappointed that we didn't watch the mist tonight. <laughs> But I'm glad that you got a little bit of a break. And honestly, I am so exhausted. Um, 
from this week of nothing. Actually, I'm more... I don't know what's going on. I'm very tired. <laughs> Life is hard, Tim. Uh, clearly. So, well, we will we will let Dustin get to sleep. And, I'm uh, going to just cuddle here on the couch with you and go to sleep. He's very cuddly. Um, <laughs> but, yes, we'll be back next week with more Apocalypse Now. Yes. And we will probably watch a show of some kind. Yeah. Maybe more Cloak and Dagger, maybe Back to the Mist. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you guys for sticking with us. Of course, when we take weeks off, um, we will be back with more of this. As always, if you could find us on iTunes or podcast.com or wherever you're listening to us, and rate us, leave us a comment. That sort of stuff is really, really useful. Uh, That's basically how you end up getting noticed on places like iTunes. And we, of course, would love to have more people notice us. So Mm -hmm. that really helps the show. Um, And we will always love to hear from you guys anyway, uh, because we want feedback. It's important and fun. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. We'll see you guys next week uh, with more Apocalypse Now. Hooray! Zompocalypse Now is recorded and produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey. All rights reserved.